We're in a series going through 1 Peter, his letter written to people who are exiles, living hundreds of miles from home, having to start over again in four territories in northern Turkey. They are suffering, and it's unjust, and it's horrible what they're going through. And Peter writes this letter to encourage them, tells them great things about their position in Christ, how we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy people, a special people, the people of God, as well as other blessings we have in our relationship with the Lord. And occasionally he intersperses things we need to live for God. In light of who we are, here's how we live. And and so now, towards the end of chapter 2, he is really launching into how to live and and we'll hold to that from here on out. The theme of the book really is suffering. It's about encouraging people who are suffering. We're calling this series Strengthening Truth for Stormy Times. And our text today reads, we'll, end, we'll read the opening verse here where we ended last week when we spoke on honor, our call to honor everyone. Honor all people, that is, prize people, value people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God, that is to be in awe of him, high reverence for the Lord. Honor the king, which was a hard thing to do. The emperor of the empire at the time of this writing was Nero. Talk about a thug. Talk about a no good despot in league with Hitler and Stalin and all the other cruel people that history disdains. And here Peter is saying, honor him. Why? Well, we're to brighten the corner where we are, like the little song says. We're to be a light in the generation in which we live. And how can we be that light if we get ourselves killed? Got to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Doesn't mean to live dishonestly, but to live honorably. As much as depends upon you, live peaceably with all men. Because if we live peaceable lives, then we're here longer and have more freedom to enjoy the things that we are able to do. Even though things may not be perfect as the way you think they should be politically, at least you have freedom and a measure of life in which to enjoy, to be a light for the Lord in this generation. So don't get sucked into the wrong conflicts. Stay in the right conflicts. Stand for righteousness. Don't align yourself with the lesser of two evils because that's still evil. Right? You say that again. The lesser of two evils is still evil. Yes. All right. Moving right on. Verse 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear or with full respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Slavery was a reality in that day. The Roman Empire had around 50 million slaves. Rome itself was inhabited uh, by citizens and slaves. Just about 50-50, half the people in Rome itself were slaves. And so uh, some of these people maybe were in northern Turkey not just because they fled their homes, but because they had been enslaved due to Rome's conquering Uh, the empire, they had been enslaved and no doubt maybe some of them had no hope of freedom. So how do they, how do they live? Do they rebel and get themselves killed or do they seek to do the will of God in their generation? 
InterVarsity Press's commentary says Peter does not address the institution of slavery per se in his letter, although his sympathy is clearly with the slave. Abolition was virtually impossible that day and would take a bloody revolution to overthrow it, as we very well know in this nation. It was far more practical for a pastor to encourage those in the situation to deal with it constructively until they could gain freedom. And no slaves, even in Paul's writings, that were able to gain their freedom, he was told, get it, get it. Some slaves were able to save enough money on the side to buy their freedom. Other slaves had no income, and there was no hope. They weren't in a position for freedom. So this letter is, to written, is written to encourage believers where they are in life. No matter where you are in life, you may think you're a slave, you're not compared to them, but I understand people's pain is relevant to their life experience. So you may think your life, pardon the French, sucks, but where you are, you are called to relate to God and shine your light. And Peter's effort here is to, is to encourage us to do that. To be submissive to those that are in charge of us. Employees, this really relates to us as well. Be submissive to your bosses. Not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to the harsh, to those that are cruel. And even in a lighter time, those you disagree with. I like to finish things that I began, and uh, I had a great job working for a sign company. I loved it, but sometimes the boss would annoy the staff by pulling us off a job before we finished it to start on something else. And we would have to refocus our attention, retool the shop, and start over again. But we weren't in his position. This job might take 60 days to get paid. This job might pay immediately. And we all wanted to be paid, right? So being typical employees, we would whine if the paycheck wasn't there for us on payday. But then we're whining because the boss was jerking us around, we thought, on the job. It wasn't our place. We're called to be submissive to our masters. We don't know what our bosses are putting up with. This is applying to somebody here today. You're under authority somewhere. It's where you are. You don't like it. You would do things differently. Well, start your own company. Well, I can't do it just yet. Well, then be submissive and be the best employee you can be. Amen. One of the members of the church is a contractor, and, and one day he came in to check on his, employee, his employees where they were working, and one of them said, where have you been? What do you mean? I've been out getting bids and doing things, and, and I'm coming here to check on you guys. Well, it's not right that we're here to do all the work. Where have you been? Well, dude, start your own company. The guy just didn't get it, right? So as Americans, many times we're petty. Some things we think is suffering is nothing. I mean, but God is merciful. You know, he doesn't get up off the throne and you say, what are you crying about? Look at this. You know, he gives us grace to endure. It's time for us to mature and submit to our masters with full respect, not just to those to whom it is easy to submit to, but to those that are harsh and cruel. For this is commendable, verse 19, if because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. 
somebody reminded Socrates that he was suffering wrongfully. And he said, would you rather me suffer rightfully? (laughs) We're talking about unjust suffering, but let me just mention just suffering. There is just suffering, you know. You jump off the roof, you just might break your leg and suffer for it. You do wrong on the job, you just might get fired. Well, I have my rights. Well, so does your boss. He has the right to fire you. So when we suffer justly, we learn from our bad mistakes. Who has suffered justly in life? But guess what? Suffering's not over. Once you learn the lesson, eventually you're going to bump into some things in life that aren't perfect, and you're going to suffer injustice. Well, I've had about enough of this. I'm going to take something, take the law into my own hands and do something. Well, how's that working for you? Back to the sermon here. What credit is it, verse 20, if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. This is worthy of being rewarded. The word he used, believe this, for commendable is the word charis, which is the word for grace. It's a word for charismatic. How many ungracious charismatics are running around talking in tongues, declaiming their authority in Christ and all the rights they have and how they're not going to suffer unjustly? They're not true charismatics. True charismatics are people that endure tough times with grace. This is, this is the kind of behavior that's going to be blessed because God who sees all will reward all. Verse 21, for to this you were called. Oh, my goodness. I thought my calling was preaching. Well, that could, that could, be, that could be it, but also suffering. We have been called to suffer unjustly. Somebody's got to step up to the plate when everybody else runs home. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. The baby's head for the house. For to this you were called. For Christ also suffered for us. Oh, yes, hallelujah. He took my sins on the tree, conquered death for me. He was cursed so I could be blessed. Yes, but he also led the way by setting the example, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. All of his steps. Who remembers WWJD? Anybody got one of those wristbands on right now? What would Jesus do? That was inspired by a book entitled In His Steps. Novel written decades ago about a scenario where people in this community determine whatever we do, we're going to ask ourselves a question, what would Jesus do and do that accordingly? Well, the context for In His Steps is talking about suffering. It's not just healing the sick and casting out demons and and being blessed. It's walking in his steps and suffering injustice. You should follow in his steps. This is our calling. Put this in your breakfast promise box and pull it out one morning and think about it. Who committed no sin 
nor was deceit found in his mouth. He's quoting from Isaiah 53, verse 23. Who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Isaiah 53 is what he's quoting from. It, it, when you read it, it says things like he's borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. Yes, I don't have to carry him anymore. Oh, hallelujah. Wounded for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. The punishment for us required for us to have peace was laid on him. Yes. And by his stripes, we are healed. Hallelujah. Like sheep, we've gone astray. We turn everyone to his own way. So the Lord laid our iniquity on him. For the transgressions of his people, we, he was stricken. And yet, there was no violence or any deceit in his mouth. There it is. Our example. To not retaliate, to not revile when we go through something we don't like. Well, I'm a Christian. I'm a king's kid. Yes, you are. It's time to live like your daddy. It's time to walk in the steps of your big brother. James Neal is here, and he was talking to me the other day about something he learned as a young believer while in the military. Stationed in Washington State, found a great church. And to his dismay, orders came down from headquarters where he couldn't participate in church life like he liked it, like he would like to, and he was going to do something about it. Boy, did I. <laughs> I was going to this Tuesday night prayer meeting. I found this church in Tacoma. And when I was walking to it, I passed two others on the way, but when I got to this church at the top of the hill, it was... It's real hilly in Tacoma. It was Evangelistic Tabernacle was the name of it. And and I just felt right about it. I started going to that church on Sundays. And um, But they had, it was a large church, but they had a, a basement. Go down these steps to this little chapel. And not very many people showed up for that. So Tuesday I went to this prayer meeting. And these people that were in this prayer meeting were, really, I got a, I have to say this. They were, they really had a passion for the Lord. They loved the Lord. And the guy that led it, Danny, he was a great guy, and he was kind of fiery, a little bit on the fiery side. But uh, he he just loved the Lord so much. He couldn't wait to get there and start the meeting. And so I was enjoying this meeting, and it was doing me good to be there. And there were, I didn't say it in the other service, but there were these two ladies that that were down by the front and they were prayer warriors. And let me tell you something about these two ladies. From, from the enemy's standpoint, they were his worst nightmare. And from God's standpoint, they were the artillery. They, and they, I don't, they were a nondescript. I couldn't pick them out if I saw them down the street. I just know they were there. And they prayed in tandem together. I, I never saw anything quite like that. And they they immediately started praying in the spirit. And they prayed that way through the whole prayer meeting. And 
And uh, they were the kind of people you'd want on your side. So this was really a cool place to be. And, and so one day the first sergeant uh, said, effective today, all passes on Tuesday night are canceled. So, and I'm like, what's up with that? You know, I don't really have much of a life. I mean, my world was pretty small. And I, I managed to go on Sunday sometimes. I'd ride the bus. And then I'd go on Tuesday, and I had it timed just right. I could get off, change, get to the bus station, catch the bus, go downtown, and then I would run. If, if I was running just a few minutes late, I could run all the way up the hill, way up this hill. I was young then. It didn't even make me tired. But, and, and I would be, I would get in and get a place to sit, and I would be right there. It, was, it just worked great. It was a great deal. And then when I got out of the prayer meeting, I ran all the way down the hill and just barely was able to catch the bus. I mean, I had it all timed. And so, anyway, there I was. I couldn't go to this prayer meeting. So I started kind of feeling sorry for myself, you know. Not that anybody's ever done that here before, but anyway. And and so uh, I was reading the Bible, and I found a scripture that said, We ought to obey God rather than man. Oh, cool. I'm like, okay, here we go. I got, but you got to read that whole thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? An angel got these disciples out of jail and told them to go to the temple and stand there and and tell the story. That's what he told them to do. So we ought to obey God. If an angel tells you to do that, and here's an angel right here, if he tells us, right? He's the messenger of God. So anyway. Uh, I was building a head of steam, and I was kind of getting mad. And to be honest with you, I pulled out the religious card. And in my 28 years of law enforcement, I've had people pull the religious card on me. And, you know, it sounds really bad. It's not a good witness. It's not a good testimony. In fact, I've had Christian people from a certain... Uh, group that would harbor runaways from me when he, they knew I was looking for them. And, and I finally had to get to the point where I would tell them, look, I want that kid back by 5 o'clock or else I'm, going to, I'm coming after you. And that's the only way I could deal with them. And the kid would tell them a story, and they thought they were doing something good. But anyway, the religious card. And so I was going to go to the first sergeant and tell him how bad I, how I felt about this and that I have my rights. And, and uh, so I, I was building a head of steam, and I was actually going towards his office. I, I'm so glad for the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine tangling with the first sergeant in the Army? <laughs> so not, not a good career move. Anyway, before I got there, the Lord spoke to me, but I didn't hear a word. I, his spirit dealt with me and told me, you're going to do more damage than you're going to do good, and you're going to destroy your witness, your testimony. And I had a testimony there. Everybody knew I was a Christian, and, and they really didn't mess with me. They, they gave me a space, some space, and there was a lot of things going on there in the barracks, and I had favor. And so I didn't do that. I stepped back, and I just decided I was going to make the best of it. And as everything else in the Army goes, about three, two, three weeks later, it was all over and done with, and I was right back to riding the bus to the prayer meeting, and everything was good. And, 
And then out of that experience, uh, recently when I was forced to work, I had to work weekends here at Tarrant County where I work as a deputy sheriff. And most guys have to work either Saturday or Sunday, but not James. They had me working Saturday and Sunday. And, and, I had, and the reason why is because I didn't have enough seniority, so I, I had to work that shift. And uh, I told the sergeant, look, it, it knocks me out of church and it knocks me out of choir, and I had to go tell Shake, you know, hey, I, I'm not going to be able to make it. And so, but, you know, I kept a good attitude because I remembered that incident. And that's experience. That's what the Bible calls patience and experience. We have experience in God. Hopefully we learn. And, and I kept a good attitude. And I told the sergeant, well, you know, I, I, can, I can make this work. I don't really want to do it, but, hey, if that's where you need me, that's where I'm going to be. I'll make it work. And uh, I'll do the best I can. And that lasted about five months. And lo and behold, there was a guy that needed weekends because his wife had medical problems and he needed to take her to the doctor in, in the middle of the week. And so they, we made the switch. And I still had to do several months, but we made the switch. But you know what I got out of that? I got favor at work, like you wouldn't believe I have favor. And, and God has blessed me. And um, so... And, and if I do something goofy, I've got a little bit of leeway there. You know, I've got favor. So anyway, so that's, uh, you know, we want to have a good testimony, don't we? And I wasn't under some cruel person, some uh, unreasonable authority. I wasn't under anything like that. It was a temporary thing. So praise the Lord. Good. Thank you. So a key to favor isn't just naming it and claiming it. I walk in favor. But enduring things where you think you're not having favor. Other people want favor too. I mean, other football teams want to win too. God's going to bless the most selfish? I don't think so. Let me point this out. He's talking about Jesus setting our, being our example. We're to follow in his steps. And some, some of these steps were he didn't sin. And he didn't deceive people with his mouth. And when he was reviled, he didn't retaliate. Soft answer turns away wrath. He lived by that principle. When he suffered, he didn't threaten. You know, I could call down legions of angels to open up cans on all y'all. You best be glad I'm using restraint here. No, he just stayed quiet. I bet angels were jumping at the chance to do it. He committed himself. He surrendered himself to his Father, he who judges righteously, equitably. He even prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. He bore our sins in his own body on the tree so that we, having died to sin, because we were in him, he took us with him, our death became a gift to us, so his death, I mean, his death became a gift to us, so his death became our death, so we could live for him. Suffering free lives? No. Exemplary lives, walking in his steps. By whose stripes you were healed. Now, I've done it myself. This verse is often quoted out of context as a healing scripture to claim for, for physical healing, but look at the context. He 
He's talking about our lives being made whole in despite of all the suffering going on in life. We will overcome. We will be made whole even though people are trying to tear us apart. For you were like sheep going astray, verse 25, but have now returned to the shepherd, that is the chief pastor and overseer of your souls. We we were the ones that were messed up and Christ took our mess upon him so that we might be healed or so that our relationship could be restored. This reminds me of Hosea 6. This is spoken in the plural, but I'm sure Jesus thought of it while he was suffering. Verse 1 and 2 says, Come, let us return to the Lord. For he was torn, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. By his stripes, we were healed. We were made whole, enabling us to go through tough times, even if it's unjust. It may be circumstances that just happened in your life, or maybe you got an enemy out to get you. But in Christ, we are already made whole. We are already healed of the wounds being put upon us through his resurrection, through his wounding. I'd like to speak to you today on the subject. is a long introduction, short sermon. We will be rewarded. Can we say that? For unjust suffering. Peter first learned this from Jesus. He heard... Jesus say things like this, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, sometimes you suffer for doing a good deed. Sometimes it seems like no good deed goes unpunished. You let somebody take advantage of you, you think you're weak, and they'll continue taking advantage of you. That was Matthew 5, 10, verse 11. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and, and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. It doesn't feel like a blessing, but the Lord says you are, a, you are blessed. You are. Just hold on. It'll show up. This truth gives reason to be bold. When you know that, that you are... You are not worthy of the suffering you're going through. Hold your head up and put your trust in the Father. Peter in the next chapter, verse 14 says, even if you suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. You're going to be vindicated. Hold on. Unjust suffering helps our gratitude for Christ's suffering to increase. He went through suffering for us. We go through suffering for him. Makes us grateful for what he did. Who's ever been hurt by slander? That hurts. Oh, man, that hurts. The key to healing is realizing, meditating on the word, realizing the slander that Christ went through for us. You get to identify with his sufferings. Beloved, Verse 12 and 13, Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice. Can we say rejoice? Rejoice. 
Rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. There's joy, but then there's joy. I understand the suffering that a woman goes through to bring a child into the world, how tough that is. But what a joy the baby is. What a connection between a mother and child for what they went through together. So it is in our, in our relationship with God, going through things with him, for him, because of him, because of the evil that's in the world, it draws us closer to him. Those sufferings for Jesus will have his spirit and glory rest upon them. You're not going through this alone. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. In Odessa, Ukraine, is a pastor of a messianic congregation named Valentin Sviontek. During the days of the USSR, he got out of there and came to the United States got his citizenship. When the Iron Curtain came down, the Lord called him to go back and plant a congregation. During his days here as an American, he came and ministered here a couple times. And uh, one, The first time he came, he told us this story that when he was in the Red Army, they found out he was a Christian and they hauled him, they arrested him, hauled him in and threatened to kill him. In fact, they showed him this valise, this uh, briefcase full of syringes. Here they were lined up in this briefcase. Any one of these will kill you if you don't recant your faith in Jesus Christ. He said this boldness came on him. This peace, like a cloak, just came upon him. What was that? That was a spirit of glory and God resting upon him, helping him to go through what he had to go through. They it was just threats. They didn't do it, but they sent him to Siberia. He had to do time in the prison camp. Suffering for our own wrongdoing will not bring us any blessings. When talking about suffering, we have to talk about that as well. Verse 15, the next verse after the last one. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. If you're a busybody, you're going to get embarrassed. You're going to get embarrassed, and it's going to be humiliating. You might suffer as a consequence, but guess what? You burn, you learn, right? You touch a hot stove one time, you'll be careful next time not to do it. Number six, suffering for Christ is a high honor. You're being honored. It may not feel like it, but it is an honor. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. You're suffering in the name of Jesus. Don't be ashamed. In Acts chapter 5, James alluded to that story earlier where they, they said it's better to obey God than man. Chiefs, chief religious leaders of that day beat them and then set them free. And, of course, they went right back to preaching. And the, and the scriptures say, as they left the presence of those who beat them, uh, had them beaten, they rejoiced because they were counted worthy to suffer for his name. Here it is acted out. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. 
the apostles left the Sanhedrin, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. For the name, the reputation, the worthiness of Jesus. We are blessed by one who sees all. He sees it. Wickedness will be dealt with. Nobody sins and gets by with it unless they repent. Proverbs 15.3, The Lord is watching everywhere, keeping his eye on both the evil and the good. His eye is all seeing. We're made in his image. We don't have all seeing eyes, but we do have eyes if we're healthy. He's so much greater than we are. He sees it all. And justice will prevail. Entrust yourself in him. You're being a testimony. You're brightening the corner where you are. And one day our judge will award all their due. Romans 2, Paul wrote, God will give to each person according to what he has done. To those who by persistence in doing good, can we say good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath, and anger, tribulation, and anguish and suffering. We will be rewarded for unjust suffering. And those making us suffer who will not repent will be dealt with by God. Let's get out of his way. There may be somebody here who's been getting reviled and you've been reviling back. Guess what? You cancel out the hand of God. He has to spank everybody. Get out of God's way. Humble yourself. Small up yourself. Bishop Garlington spoke here about a trip that he made to Jamaica. I mean to London. And his cab driver was a Jamaican. And London has some really narrow streets. And I don't know what they're going to do to fix that because everything's a historical monument there. And uh, so sometimes they go down places so tight and, and uh, Jamaican co-writer, the Jamaican driver had a Jamaican writer with him uh, just to keep company or security or whatever and, and Bishop Garlington said when they go down a really tight space the writer would tell the driver small up yourself man, small up yourself humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up in the early 20th century Esther Kerr Rustoy an associate pastor at Angelus Temple, wrote a song entitled, When We See Christ. It's better known as the first line of the chorus, It Will Be Worth It All. The first verse, she says, Oft times the day seems long, our trials hard to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur and despair. But Christ will soon appear to catch his bride away. All tears forever over in God's eternal day. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. You know what? Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. 
One glimpse of His dear face all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that this word would encourage those who are suffering injustice. They don't deserve what they're going through, Lord. Either because of an enemy or a misled friends. Or just because of the circumstances of life that have come their way. I pray, Lord, your word would encourage them that they would see they are called, we are called, everyone is called to walk in your steps. Thank you, Lord, for suffering for us and the honor that is ours to suffer for you. Forgive us, Lord, for yielding to temptations to revile back at those we think are reviling us. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray for those who maybe feel condemned because they've suffered uh, justly in the eyes of the law or justly in their own eyes. I pray, Lord, they'd see that they're still here. You're still their Savior. And that uh, should they suffer again and it be unjustly, Lord, that it is an honor to do that. It's commendable before you. It is grace. It is thankworthy. Help us, Lord, to take up our cross and follow you courageously. Forgive us, Lord, for uh, putting us first and not you first. Lord, we want to further your agenda. We want to join in your movement. We want to represent your kingdom. Lord, we want to man the battle station you have given us to man. Forgive us, Lord, for comparing ourselves to people we think aren't suffering and to be faithful in the path with which you've given us to walk. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Maybe everything in your life is going on great. Hallelujah. But there may be times in life when you stumble into something where an injustice happens. Don't run. Hold on to the cross. Run to Jesus for grace in time of need. But don't run from the responsibilities the Lord has placed on your shoulders. Don't get off the path in which he's called you to walk. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we stand? There's a prayer meeting today at City Hall, actually in City Hall, to pray for our nation, our region, and our law enforcement officers right here in Hood County. Everyone is invited, 2.30, City Hall today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord God Almighty cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of Jesus Christ. May your marriages be whole. May you look for opportunities to suffer for one another. May you, may you inconvenience yourself for the benefit of someone else. In Jesus' name. 
Lord, let all the selfishness be burned out of our lives. Every shred of me, 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 gone. It's all about you, Lord. Showing your love to people that are not worthy. In Jesus' name, let heaven be expressed in our lives. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Go get them, tigers. Suffer for Jesus.